teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Happy November, teacher friends, and welcome to episode number 61 with my new online friend, Tom Gibson. Tom is the third ever male to come on the podcast, so I told him he should feel very lucky. It's not really for any particular reason that I don't have many men on. I don't know. It's just how it's worked out, but I really enjoyed chatting with Tom today, and I really think that you are also going to enjoy listening to our conversation, and you're going to get some great ideas. Y'all, it's November 5th, and in two days, I'm boarding a plane with Cody, and we are heading back to Houston, Texas to spend the week with our families. We are so excited. This is going to be the first time home together since we moved to Germany, and we have lots of Mexican food, friend visits, and even an Aggie ring dunk on our itinerary. So it should be interesting, though, I think, to go from the Germany weather we've been experiencing this fall to the fall in Texas. If you're from Texas, you know what I mean. (laughs) But if you want to follow along, I will be posting on my teacher Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher. And so you can follow along and see what we're doing back in Texas. But today, like I said, I'm chatting with Tom, who is a high school teacher at a private school in downtown Austin. And y'all, he teaches some really cool classes. Uh, Even though I don't teach in the setting that he does, and I'm assuming a lot of you probably don't either, like more techie type classes and in a private school What he shared is still so valuable and useful to the public education teacher. I had a ton of ideas of how I could implement some of the things from his classroom economy that he was talking about. And y'all know I love classroom economy, Um, but so many ideas of classroom economy stuff I could do in the classroom and more techie things I could do and the ways that I could get my kids involved in more things that were going on in my classroom. So there's a ton of great info for you here. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Here is my conversation with Tom. Good morning, Tom. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hi, Kelly. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So you're what, 730 back in the U.S.? Yes. And I'm in Texas. I'm 2.30 right now recording from Germany. So thank you for waking up early to chat with me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. You are the third male to come on the Simply Teach podcast. So congratulations. I got to say, a lot of the organization space, I do see mostly women. And I I love staying organized and I like what you're doing. And I'm I'm glad to be able to to be a voice in, 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 in this space as well. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to have you. So this is really our first time virtually meeting. We've been following each other on Instagram. So I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners, but also I'll be learning right along with them just about who Tom is and what you do and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm Tom Gibson and I am in my ninth year of education. I teach middle school math and robotics as well as a high school YouTube video production class. Um, and I also have a podcast called Stories from the Classroom, which is really innovation in the classroom where I take audio from the classroom and interview people and kind of make it more of a NPR style, hopefully a storytelling type of podcast. And I also have a YouTube channel um, where I post uh, resources for teachers wanting to do innovative work in their classroom, particularly STEM teachers. Um, and I have a classroom economy uh, that I've been doing about for about five years and just launched a course this past summer and have started a community of people that are trying to do that as well, where you have classroom jobs and kids get paid salaries and pay rent on their desk and there's classroom auctions and it's a ton of fun. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. So a little bit of uh, a lot of stuff like in the classroom uh, as well as just kind of the the entrepreneur space uh, side of things as well. Okay. So I'm going to ask the question that I think everybody's thinking right now. Do you know what it is? (laughs) (laughs) The classroom economy thing? No, no. How do you No, I am excited to talk to you about classroom economy. Um, But how do you do all that? How are you doing a podcast and YouTube and like, how do you manage that? How do you balance Uh, it? 
Well, uh, I read a lot of books on how to how to get the things done that you want to get done. Um, and I met one of the books that I had read this past year was The One Thing. Um, and it oh, was I've heard kind good of things about, about like, that one. Yeah, it's like what are your what are your five year goals, your one year goals, your your six month goals, your one month goals, your one week goals, that kind of stuff. And it seems pretty obvious. Um, but it wasn't until I actually kind of sat down and the five year goal was kind of like, eh, I don't really know what that's going to be, but I know at least a year from now. Um, and I started to sit down and actually think through like, what is it that I want to get done by the end of this year? And what are the things that, uh, this month I can do to move me towards that? And what are the things I can do this week to move me towards that? Um, and then that helps me kind of plan out my week. Uh, generally Mondays, uh, I have, a my planning tool is, I, it's, primarily used for lesson planning. It's called plan board. Um, but I don't really use it for lesson planning that much. I plan it, use it more just kind of for planning out my week. Um, is it for do, teachers or is it for, yeah, it's by a company okay. called chalk chalk.com or something. And it's one, they have uh-huh. like several tools and that one's called plan board. And I, at the beginning of the week, I kind of look through, I wake up pretty early, um, usually around four 30, but I also go to bed around nine 30. So I'm getting a good seven hours of sleep. Um, and I'll get up at four 30 and I don't have to leave for work until seven 30. And so a lot of times, you know, exercise will be a part of that morning, but I also think like, what are the things do I need to work on school stuff that morning on Monday morning? Do I need to want to work on my business stuff that morning? Um, I have a, a, a nice schedule this year at school where if my school, it's a private school. And if we don't have class, we don't have to be on campus. And so I don't have a couple days of the week. I don't have the last two periods of the day. Um, so I can get out kind of early afternoon. Um, and my wife still works till five o'clock. And so I'll have three or four hours in the early afternoon, uh, to kind of work on stuff. And, um, when it comes to things like the podcast and the YouTube, I try to batch as much of it as possible, um, which I know you do a lot of because I'm just following the way your your workflow on Instagram and everything like that. Like, okay, let me let me record f- four solo podcasts today that'll cover me for the <laughs> next month or something like that. Um, so with the podcast, it's it's highly edited, so it takes a lot of time. So I only put one out a month, uh, which is a lot more manageable for me. Uh, but yeah. I got a ton of interviews during South by Southwest here in Austin, uh, South by Southwest EDU. And so like I interviewed people with esports stuff. I interviewed people about social media. I interviewed lots of different people. And so I had like the next three months, you know, four months worth of podcasts just from, you know, that one week. Um, and then with the YouTube stuff, I try to do the same thing. I'll try to spend maybe a couple of days planning out my next three or four videos, resources. What do I want these videos to say? What are, what are some possible titles and thumbnail ideas? Uh, what's the general outline? And then try to record all of those in a one or two t- day period. And then I've kind of got, uh, I've got a separate hard drive of all my like in progress projects. And so everyone just goes in a folder. And so I just go through and I can kind of work on the edits throughout the next two or three weeks without ever having to film anything. Um, so it's a lot of time management. Uh, the classroom economy helps out a lot because, uh, the kids have jobs that take care of things for me. Um, even little things like writing the agenda on the board. Um, I just hired a few students to be my photographers and videographers. And so at the end of the week, they send me photos or videos that they took in class that I'll be able to use on my Instagram. Um, and then that'll also like, you know, kind of cross promote the classroom economy resources that I have. Uh, I, I have kids that, you know, I can come in, set my backpack down, a kid takes my computer out, projects it, and then pulls up the course website and then like turns on the projector, you know? So like all these little things that I don't have to worry about, I'm kind of outsourcing to the students helps free up a little bit of time for me in the, in the education space, uh, or in the teaching uh, side of my brain, um, that I'm not, I'm not doing all of that. Um, and I feel I've been pretty lucky this year. Um, This is the fifth, sixth year that I've been at my current school. And for the most part, I've taught the, I've just taught pre-algebra was the only math class that I taught several sections of that. Robotics was the only, I taught robotics as well and advisory. And so I'm not teaching too many new courses with exception to last year, which was the YouTube video production class for high schoolers. But that was like so fun and like didn't feel like a burden to be like, oh, I got a plan for this. Um, Cause it was almost like they came to me and it's like, hey, you wanna do a YouTube class? We think that'd be cool for the school. And then next semester I'm doing an esports elective that I don't know what it's gonna be yet, um, but I'll, I'll, about a month before the, the semester starts, I'll probably start pulling some resources together. 
What does esports even mean? Esports is competitive video game playing, which a lot of people are like, that's okay. that's super weird. Why would that be like a school thing? Um, but uh, it's it's going to be it's a place that uh, opportunity for kids that maybe don't have an in with school culture uh, to connect with other people at school, to be on a team, to have accountability when gaming. So for the most part, has been so much of just them by themselves at home. Um, it's like, okay, let's, let's bring you into a structured environment doing something that you love. Um, and the, a couple weeks ago, the, the very first Fortnite grand championship, uh, a 16 year old won first place, which was about $3 million. So it's a, it's a pretty booming industry. So you, you can't necessarily, uh, granted it, the, the, he's like the 1% of the 1%, but <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's got more opportunity, uh, even just the industry as a whole um, for, for job opportunities than, than there were 10 years ago, uh, just because it's such a booming industry. That sounds very cool. So you said you teach in a private school, right? Correct. So I'd kind of, I'd like to hear for the people listening, what, the pros and the cons are of that, or maybe even like the misconceptions. Like for example, when I think private school, I think, okay, all the kids are really well behaved. Mm -hmm. So you don't have as many behavior problems. And it sounds like you're getting to teach a lot cooler classes Mm -hmm. than what I typically think are in like the public high school realm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the the school is very supportive of kind of trying to do new things, innovative things. I mean, like we are actually in downtown Austin. Um, it's our, our, our school is several old Victorian houses that have been converted into a school. Uh, and so I would say for the most part, I taught three, my first three years were, were teaching fifth grade in a pretty large public school in Colleen, Texas. Um, and so it was like, it was quite the shift to come from a huge, you know, inner city, uh, well, obviously the current school mat is inner city as well, but it was just such a huge school, public school to such a small, you know, private school. Um, and the shift I originally, when I would come to this school, I'm like, man, these parents are paying a lot of money. And are, are, am I going to have like really kind of overbearing parents that are like, my child has mm-hmm. to do well. And, and I really have found like, for the most part, uh, I've gotten just, I've gotten a lot of support from the parents. Um, I think something that helps is just being really proactive in communication. Um, I know like, like for my, for example, like my, uh, in my pre-algebra class, like every time we have a big test, I send out an email about a week before the test to the parents and to the students saying, Hey, we've got the test coming up. Here's what we're going to be working on the next few weeks. Here's a review sheet that you can work on at home. Here are my office hours in the next week if you want to go. And so it kind of leaves like no room for parents to be like, well, I didn't know that this was going on and you didn't, you know? Um, and so I feel that has mm-hmm. helped in the parent relationship, which was what part of what I was kind of worried about coming to private school. Um, it is smaller classes, uh, Average classes are around 12, but even some of my other classes have as few as like seven kids in there. Um, so that can make a really big difference. Uh, there's general, I don't see the same behavior issues that I saw um, when I was in public school. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of students that kind of had really, really intense kind of emotional uh, emotional issues that they were working through when I was working in public school that really made it difficult for them to learn and just be present. Um, I mean, we, I get that with the middle, the middle schoolers that I teach in the sense of like, just the, what's normal for that age group. Um, but we're not getting the severe as severe of discipline issues, um, as I was experienced outside of like kids that talk too much or kids that don't turn in their work. Um, and so, I like it. Um, I, I do feel like the school culture allows me to do a little bit, do like the innovative work, do the interesting classes. But even when I was in public school, like we had a, you know, I proposed like a technology club, you know, where we had kids that came after class and they were making video games with Scratch or with Tinker um, and and learning how to make their own blogs and websites and stuff, which is still stuff that I incorporate now in my, my other school. It just, it, it, it just found a different avenue um, in public school. Uh, it was either an after-school club, or I try to f- find time for it, uh, like inside of inside of my classroom when I was teaching fifth grade, because I had the kids all day. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, just having to think creatively as to how to implement those things that you're passionate about. Cause I think that can sometimes be hard. I noticed that a lot, like in my last year of teaching before we moved, like my passion kind of drifted from like teaching academics to this more like businessy type stuff. And I wonder if that's also something you experience where like you're passionate about teaching, but also you're passionate about this other side of you. And it's cool that you have found a way to be able in a school that allows you to blend them together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I even think about like, we, we have these, like these middle school assemblies that meet every week. Um, and every once in a while we'll have what we, the, the performance assemblies where students can just perform a song or whatever they want to do. Um, which I always thought was pretty cool. Cause it was like fairly regular. We did it maybe once every, every couple of months. Um, but then I thought about like when I had my, my fifth graders in public school, like we had that I, I stopped whatever we were doing about 10 minutes before lunch. Uh, and I think this, this started as one of the kids ideas. Um, there was just a little sharing time and there was a little sign up sheet where kids were like, I want to sing a song for the class. And I'm like, um, okay. So, all right, well let's, <laughs> and so the kids would start sh- signing up and then we would, we would just fill up that 10 minutes. If only one person went, that was fine. If we could go to two or three in that 10 minutes and the kids would be like, Oh, I just want to show you a really cool video that, you know, that I saw online, or I just wanted to sing this song or like I'm in this dance troupe and I kind of want to just do this performance. And it gave the kids that opportunity to have that voice. And so much of that culture kind of like has made its way into my advisory now that I meet with only for about 30 minutes a day. Um, but it's, there are ways to incorporate a lot of these things kind of no matter where you're at. Um, you just kind of have to, it, it has to take a priority, obviously, you know, like I can find 10 minutes for kids to just share what they want to share. Um, but yeah, there's, there's differences, but there's also in some ways there's some similarities. Yeah. And I think that's so important that you create space to foster that community because that is what is so crucial to our kiddos. Okay. So what you really came on today (laughs) to talk about was your classroom economy. And I'm actually really excited to talk to you about this because I don't know if you know this, but I also implemented a classroom economy in my classroom, but I think mine was a little bit scaled down from yours simply because of the age. Um, I was second grade, so I didn't there were things I would have liked to have done had I gone into middle school or whatever. Um, but you mentioned that you recently created a course for it. So my first question is, did you read teach like your hair on teach? Like your hair is on fire. Is that where you got yes, the idea from? Ray Fesquith. That was the, okay. the book. And I just, I remember reading the book and I was taking pictures of every page of the classroom economy and putting in my Evernote. And then I was going back. I'm like, okay, I was trying to pull as much out of that book, but I'm like, gosh, he's not, he's not going into the nitty gritty. Like I need him to, I need him to just write a book just on this classroom economy. That one. Yeah. That one, like it was one small chapter. I remember I re- I had to read it in undergrad and I couldn't tell you what anything else is in that book. Like, I don't remember anything else, but I remember really latching onto that classroom economy. And I went back like post, you know, grad school, I mean, graduate, whatever, post college and was like reading up on it, you know, to implement it in my classroom. I was like, wait, it's only like six pages on this, you know, Um, because I just remember it being so much yeah. more. It it, it stuck out to me so much. I had read that. I think it was a uh, around my second or third year of teaching, and I had already done classroom jobs because it's pretty common in elementary school. Um, but it was like the second semester of my third year where I was like, okay, let me let me just start like seeing like kids having money for these jobs and writing little checks and everything like that. Um, and so I, I had tried I had tried and piecemealing different things together. And I remember I don't remember I think it was two thousand maybe fourteen. I had found that Vanguard had actually partnered with Rafe Esquith and they had created like a whole curriculum uh, called myclassroomeconomy.org. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so they've got the, the money that you can print out and they got everything. And so I had used that for several years, but as 
it was just taking so much of my class time because it's like we have an auction and a kid buys a thing and then they get a withdrawal slip and then they fill out the withdrawal slip and then they go to their banker and then the banker hands them the cash and then they take the cash and then they go to the auctioneer and it's like every time they wanted to do a transaction like that whole process had to happen and i remember like auctions were taking like we had hour and a half long classes i'm like gosh this is taking like 40 minutes like this is even though we were doing it once a month like this is a lot of time and so i'm like this is not going to be mm-hmm. sustainable if i just keep doing it like this so slowly i just started digitizing everything and i started finding these these websites that you can create these artificial banks and kids could have their accounts and so i was like okay i don't have to actually use paper money anymore like they have their accounts and then i can create an account called the auction account and so they can just transfer money to that auction account or a fine account and they can transfer money to that fine account if they have to pay a fine for their behavior or for missing missing work or something like that and so over the course of like three years like everything really became digitized like i even like if kids, if they don't want to pay rent on their desk anymore, they can buy their desk uh, and then they it, there's no more rent. And then like I even found a tool recently that when they buy their desk, it can actually appreciate in value throughout the year. And then they can sell it at the end of the year back to me right before the very last auction, which is usually like the big auction that everyone wants, to, everyone wants to have as much money as possible. And so like whenever people were buying desks, I, I was like, okay, let me have them fill out this Google form. And it's going to send an automated email to them and to me and to my head banker student. And that head banker student's job is now to go into, you know, the online bank and and withhold all the rent now. And so they don't have to pay rent anymore. And so that was like a little thing that like, okay, that's now off my plate and it's automated. I don't have to send the email. I was using, I think it was Formule or something like that as one of those tools in Google where you can send automated emails. Um, and so in 2017 or 18, I wanted to create a, uh, a, a series of videos uh, from the beginning of the year of like, because the most work happens like in the couple of weeks leading up to school and like those first two weeks of school implementing it. Um, but after that, it kind of is like a, hopefully like a pretty, for me, it's been a pretty good system of just running on its own. Um, and so I was filming myself like, okay, so here's the classroom economy. Here's my classroom jobs. Here's how I introduce it to the kids. They're going to ask millions of questions, but I only answer these because I don't want to overwhelm them. And here's what my process is of hiring. Cause I've got this spreadsheet and they applied to their top three jobs and I need to decide which ones are the most important. And I really want everyone to get one of their top three jobs to have that student buy-in. Here's what I do if I, if they can't get one of their top three jobs and here are the emails that I send to kids to say you're hired and here's how I train the student. And here's what our first auction day looks like. And here's what fine day looks like and how my fine officers have to write the tickets and give them and make sure that people pay their fines and what bonus money day looks like. And so I was making all of these videos um, and uh, the, the entrepreneur side of me was trying to figure out the best way to like get this out to people uh, and share this and monetize on this. And I was like, okay, well, let me see teachers pay teachers. And it's like, you know, like it, it just, I was putting, there were people who were buying like one-off videos and stuff. And it's like, ah, this is not really gaining any traction. And originally I had it on YouTube and like, it really wasn't even getting that many views on YouTube. And the people that were finding it and doing it were like, wow, this is, this is really great. Like one of my internet friends, Aaron Riedel, like he, he found it and like, he's been doing the classroom economy for two years. And I just watched his, like, here's how my classroom economy video was. And I was like, oh, like I was taking notes based on how he had modified it. Cause I was like, oh, that that little fine sheet is way more organized than what I had, and um, and so I finally settled la- this past summer uh, on creating like an actual course uh, that students uh, teachers could go and watch the videos, and after each video, there was like little homework assignments, like okay, make a copy. <laughs> I don't, one of the things about teachers pay teachers that I don't like is like most of it is just like PDFs that you can't edit. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. like everybody's got to like any tool that I've ever used, I've wanted to edit. And so everything on there is a Google doc right. um, that people can make a copy of and then tweak and modify that to, to fit with what they're doing. And so like homework is like, okay, look to my list of jobs, delete anything that doesn't apply to your classroom or your personality or what you need. Go ahead and add your jobs for each job. Think through these things, then go to the next video. Um, and I've created a, a Facebook group of all these teachers that are doing it. And the guy that developed the software that I'm currently using, it's called Paygrade, paygrade.io. Um, his name is Tim Boulay. He's a part of that group too. And he's super responsive. I'm like, Hey, right now, when I try to do this, I get this error message. And usually by the next day it's fixed, you know, which is, is super nice. And it's a free software, you know? 
Um, and so the Facebook group, a lot of people have been like uh, sharing what they're doing or how they're doing it or asking questions, uh, which has been pretty fun. And uh, one of the first students to kind of like get the course and start going through it, uh, she just hired her students. And she's like, I sent out the training videos and I just was so impressed like how seriously everyone took their jobs and like it was it was awesome and i was like yes okay this actually works like with other people <laughs> i was like is this gonna be something where like the way i've made it it's just too confusing but it's not you know like people are smart they can they can teachers are smart they can figure out how to make this work for their classroom so uh that's that's been really exciting to to hear how other teachers are starting to actually implement this in their classroom, which ends up helping me because I'm getting ideas that I, I never would have thought of. Your classroom economy sounds super beefed up to what mine was. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and like that was the course of like so many years yeah. too, you know, it just started as just the classroom jobs. Let mm -hmm. me pull in some finances into it. And, and then there's this one guy that's in the Facebook group that's done it before. And I was like, geez, Louise, he had like stocks and everything. And I'm like, I don't even, and loan officers. <laughs> and I'm like, I would have to sit down for a little while and figure out how I'd want to do that if I did that. Yeah, that's that. Like I did the classroom jobs, obviously, and then the kids got paid for them. And um, then they could go to the store each week and buy, you know, different rewards, whatever. Mm -hmm. They could invest their money, buy their desk. Had I taught um, older kids, I think I would have liked to implement some kind of like tax system or yeah. like just something or like, you know, when they invested their money in the bank, I literally, I mean, I just gave them a dollar every week yeah. for extra for investing. But had I taught, you know, fifth or sixth grade, I think like doing percentages mm -hmm. or something would have been like a cool way. There's so many practical, and I don't know if this is kind of the idea behind it for you, but for me growing up, money management was like something that was like so instilled in me. Um, by my parents. And I really wanted to be able to teach those real life lessons to my kids, my, you know, kids in my classroom and give them, you know, some of the tools for real life things that they were going to have to encounter. And I felt like the classroom economy taught them some of those really important things about saving and, you know, what are wise what are needs and wants and what are wise decisions and maybe not the wisest decisions. So that was kind of my like reasoning for even starting it in the first place. Hey there, thank you so much for being a supporter by listening to the podcast each and every week. I have a favor to ask you. Every other week, I have on some pretty awesome teachers doing some great things in the education field, and I want as many teachers to hear about it as possible. I also share lots of strategies to improve on time management and classroom organization. Again, all things that I want teachers to hear and learn from. The best way to do that is by sharing the podcast. You can do that in a plethora of ways. If you're enjoying the podcast that you're listening to right now, or if there's a show in your mind that sticks out as a really helpful episode, then you can share that podcast directly from the podcast app. You can also snap a screenshot of the show that you're listening to and post it on social media. There's so many different ways that you can tell others about the Simply Teach podcast. Another way you can help me spread the word about the show is by leaving a rating and or a review. I'm sure you've heard this a million other times on other podcasts, so I'm sorry to bore you with it. But when a teacher goes searching for an education podcast, the ones that show up on the top of the list as recommended are the ones with the most downloads, the highest ratings, and the highest reviews. Those three things tell iTunes that the podcast is worth listening to. Thus, they reward the podcast by bumping it higher in the rankings. I have a tutorial saved in my Instagram stories with a visual. I just literally go through iTunes and show you exactly how to do it step by step, but it's really easy to leave a review. Just search for Simply Teach or you don't even have to do it for Simply Teach, any podcast that you love and want to review. Search for it on the iTunes app, and then you'll scroll down uh, to the bot. Like once you find the app that you want to rate and review, click on it, and then you'll scroll down to the bottom and you will see five empty stars. I would love it if you would click all five stars and give Simply Teach a five-star rating. And then right below that will be a space to write a review. It's simple. So to recap, share the podcast straight from the app on social media or simply just tell a friend about it. Then head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast. You can head to my Insta stories, highlight under podcast, and the rating and review tutorial will be there.
first place. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was, I mean, that was, be, besides seeing like what Ray Fesquid did and just thinking it was like the coolest thing ever, uh, like when I graduated college, my dad, or in the second, maybe my third year of college, my dad gave me Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, since, you know, my wife's a pediatrician, and so I was like, okay, there's going to be a lot of medical school loans. And so I remember just listening to his podcast and learning about money and budgeting and all that other stuff. And I had to figure out a lot of it out on my own. And I started with spreadsheets, but moved to other softwares. But I was like, I didn't really, I had to teach a lot of that stuff myself. I mean, the only thing I remember as far as money management was my senior level economics class. My teacher, who was like in his year, like it was like the year he was retiring. He was like a little bit grumpy, but the only thing I remember him saying was, <laughs> You need to get your Roth IRA. You get that when you're 20, <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything. You know, and I'm like, I don't were you know. Were you born and raised in Texas? <laughs> that was in Texas, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was senior year in Texas. It wasn't born and raised, but uh, I was in Texas by that point. Uh, and so that was like the only thing that I remember. I'm like, Roth IRA, okay. Um, but figuring all that stuff out and learning all that stuff, I'm like, man, how great would it be for kids to, to kind of learn this at such a young age? And you know, like realize, like, go ahead and make mistakes with their money. And like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have spent like a whole month's wages on that brownie in the auction. And now I've got these fines that I can't <laughs> pay for. And, uh, but good thing with the, a lot of the things I had taken and kind of those side conversations that I have with students kind of stem from a lot of the things that I learned from the Dave Ramsey podcast. And like, you know, the kids, they asked this week, like, can we give money to our friends if they need it? And, I was like, okay, well, one, um, I think in real life, I think it's good to to give money and help your friends. But in here, I don't want to create a culture where people can just depend on other people to give them money instead of thinking, what can I do to get myself out of this problem or to raise my income or to stop getting so many off-task behavior fines or what, or start my own business and make more money? Um and secondly, I was like, if in real life you do give someone money, give them the money and don't make it like a loan that they have to pay back. Cause that's something Dave Ramsey's always talking about. Like that ruins relationships. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, what if I, I give this person a hundred dollars and they say, I say, just pay me back when you can. And I feel really good about myself. And then I see them post on social media that they're, they're buying all this stuff and going on trips with their, with their friends and their family. Like, how am I going to feel? They're going to be like, well, you're probably going to be frustrated because they, they haven't even paid you back yet. I'm like, exactly. And so like, if you're, if you're going to give someone money, like give them money, just like, don't make it something where you, they are now indebted to you. And so it opens up a lot of com- types of opportunities where like, that's not part of the curriculum, but you know, and I'm sure that's probably something that not everyone would agree with. And, but I wanted to at least kind of share that with them of like, at least think about this, you know, like what, what could happen in these different situations in your life when it comes to money. Well, and what a great place for them to learn that in this, in the safe space of the classroom where they, they could give and have the resentment, but then they have a mature adult adult there to talk them through how to handle it versus being out in the real world and, you know, going through that and then, you know, having to figure it out on your own. Okay. So I have a few questions that I'm thinking maybe listeners are probably wondering. And the first is, can you, so I'm assuming that kids have classroom jobs and they're getting paid for their classroom jobs. Is that correct? Do they get paid for anything else? Yes. At the end of the month, uh, they'll, we have a bonus money day. Um, I have a list of things that they can get bonus money for, uh, if you're in extracurriculars, you can get bonus money. If you do these little math puzzles that I have in my classroom, you can get bonus money, hundreds on quizzes and tests. Um, and like the extracurricular thing I'm pretty loose with. It's like if you have a tutor, if you go to counseling, if you are in a, a sport. Mm. If you, so pretty much anything that they say, would this count? Like I'm like, yes, because I'm trying to make it as as much opportunity for as many kids, not just the kids that are like, oh, I have horseback riding and I get all A's in all my classes and I'm already (laughs) going to win in life anyways. And so now I'm also going to dominate the classroom economy. Um, So I try to make it as, 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 I mean, like even like kids that have their own YouTube channels, like if you post one video a month, that counts as extracurricular and you get bonus money for that. So there's lots of ways they can earn a little bit of extra money. um, And then they, they fill out a form that says all the bonus money they should earn, and then they dip, give it to one of our bankers, and their, our bankers have the, the privileges to go in the bank and actually put the amount of money into their account that says bonus money. 
Okay. So what are some of the classroom jobs? I mean, I'm sure it sounds like you have a lot, but what are just some of the like most popular classroom jobs or most foundational, I guess? Yeah. Uh, the auctioneer, uh, the auctioneer is the person that they have to go to. They either bring things from home that people would maybe want to buy, or they go to businesses and they take a little letter with them that says what mm. we're doing in the classroom economy and ask for donations. Um, and we've had gift cards, we've had toys, we've had little robots, we've had books, uh, different companies donating those kinds of things. What's funny is like a $25 Torchy's Tacos, which I'm sure you're in this area, you know the Torchy's Tacos. <laughs> it's super double talk, super great tacos in Austin. $25. I feel Torchy's like everybody knows Torchy's Tacos, know, even know, if they're not from <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Super popular. If you don't, you should. Go get some Torchy's tacos. A $25 Torchy's card would go for less money than like someone who brought in brownies or someone who brought in like a toy or or like food that you can eat right now. And so like you see the immediate gratification like at play at a, at, in the classroom economy. But the auctioneer brings those items. The fine officer, they come in uh, during lunch on Mondays to write fines and then they pass out the fines during class. Uh, later in the week and make sure people pay Are them. these fines you're assigning that you're yeah. like writing down somewhere yeah. and then they... Correct. I've got a little clipboard okay. that throughout the week okay. I'm writing down people's fines. So they just look at the clipboard and, and, okay. and write it from there. Um, we have got our bankers who deposit bonus money. And so I assign students to different bankers. New one this year is a celebration coordinator um, where they are basically finding interesting and fun ways to celebrate people's birthdays. And so I'm going to send out a little survey to all the students of like name, birthday, and things that you like. And then I'm going to share that with the celebration coordinators and see how that goes. Um, we have photographer and videographer where they are taking photos and videos for me that I'm going to post on my teacher Instagram account. Um, we also have a, a, a tech, tech assistant. They project my computer and everything and help out with students or they run the slideshow whenever I'm, so I don't have to stand by the computer and I can walk around. Um, we, I've used to have a tutor where a student would come in during office hours to be like an extra, extra set of hands to help other students. Um, we also have a starter. Uh, we start all of our classes uh, with kind of like a couple moments of mindful breathing. And so they basically uh, ring the little bell that says, all right, you have one minute to get everything out that you need to get out. And then they ring the final bell to sh signal that we are actually beginning class. Uh, they, we have someone who cleans up the class at the end of class. We've got someone who straightens the tables out when they come in at the beginning of class. Um, and that is most of them. There's a few other ones in there. Newsletter writer, uh, they I teach them how to make a website either using like Adobe Spark or Google Sites. Um, and then they write a monthly newsletter that I send out to family and all, like basically all this, the families and the students. And a couple one-off ones here and there that I don't necessarily need for, need like one for every class. Maybe I just need one overall or something like that. Um, but like, are they, go ahead. Are they keeping these jobs all year long? Yeah, because I do not want to have to retrain students. Uh, like <laughs> okay, because I was like the jobs you're, I mean, when I think of classroom jobs, I'm coming from the elementary, you know, mind frame where it's like door opener, um, like line leader, desk. Yeah, Caboose. those like really simple. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the last one in line. But I, I think that, um, I think that kids, younger kids could be capable of doing some of those jobs, maybe not as like scaled as you yeah. probably have them in their classroom, but I think it is possible. Um, and I think that it's like your kids are really, it sounds like involved in the classroom. Like you're creating that um, almost like project-based learning yeah. type environment where they are responsible for their learning. Yeah. And they're, and that's the thing. Students ask, do I have to have a job? And I say yes, because I, I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have to contribute to the class in some way. Um, and so even if you're... You're going to have to have a job when you leave. I know. <laughs> like, can I just be homeless and sit on the floor? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to get as much buy-in is like that application process is really important. Like they have to pick their top three. They have to say why they think they'd be a good fit for them. So they're selling me on why they should mm -hmm. be getting that job. Some jobs, like I have an assistant grader job where they get my, we do Khan Academy exercises uh, and it's kind of a 
a hassle for me to kind of go into Khan Academy, click on each class, look at all the, the scores for the assignment they did, and then transfer all that to our actual gradebook. And so my assistant grader goes in and just takes a screenshot of each class and then emails me the screenshot of those grades. But they they have to get a letter of recommendation for that job that says, like, they don't have any history of gossip. They don't have any history of being dishonest. They don't have any history of any of that stuff. And they have to sign a confidentiality agreement. Um, the person who makes posters for the classroom, our visual display artist, their, part of their application, in addition to filling in, like, I'd like to be a visual display artist because they have to make a poster to show off their skills that says, like, these are the reasons why I should be the visual display artist. And the person who writes the agenda on the board has to turn in a handwriting sample. And so they are kind of put in this position where it's very much real to life. Like, they are trying to sell themselves to me on, on why they should have that job. Uh, and it even goes further around second semester where last year I started doing job performance reviews where I had them fill out a reflection on like, what do you think you're doing well with your job? Where do you think you could improve? And I say, no employer is ever going to ask you this, but do you think you deserve a raise and why? And the reason I'm asking you this, even though no one will actually ask you this is because I want you to learn how to articulate what kind of value you're, af you're offering to the classroom. Don't say things like mm -hmm. I want to raise because I want more money because that's not, that's not really going to move me to want to, to want to hire you. But like, I would like a raise because I'd really like to actually do more for this job. I'd like to, I'd like to post two videos a week for your, or, or make a compilation video that you can post on IGTV and I actually even format it correctly because I know the aspect ratios and everything like that. Like, okay, definitely. That's a great, great reason to, to get a pay raise. And, um, do any of your kids want a job editing podcasts your videos and for your Kelly Jackson? <laughs> Possibly. I'll pass the word along. <laughs> The it's it's even funny too because like I tell the kids like if I ever come to you and you didn't get one of your top three jobs you have something called leverage um, I may ask if you want to do this one job because we need that job in your class but nobody applied for it but I think you'd be a good fit the fact that I now need you to do this job you can begin to negotiate maybe a, a higher salary uh, and so that one kid was like it's like hey I really need to do this job he's like. I will do it. I want more money because I have leverage. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about tax. And, so we need yeah. to work on that. <laughs> so it's so are they getting paid different? Like depending on their job, are they getting different? Yes, rent is a thousand dollars a month. The highest paying job is one thousand six hundred, oh. and the lowest paying job is one thousand. And so wow, you're yes, yeah, so you're working with very much different yeah, numbers. Like Five dollars, ten dollars. <laughs> But I mean, you're also working yeah, it's, with it's like a very yeah. different, exactly. Um, and, you know, since they're, my problem was I did my first year of teaching, I only taught one class. So it was fine, but they could apply for their jobs every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was like every Friday, every other Friday night, I was coming home and spending my Friday night, like looking at job applications yeah. and by year two or three. And especially when I moved to teaching more than one class, I was like, this is not going to work. I can't spend mm -hmm every other Friday with this maze. But I mean, one time a year at the beginning of the year, that's manageable. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that they are applying, I think is what gives them the buy-in uh, and they're not like, oh, I don't really mm -hmm. want this job anymore as much yeah. around March. Some of them are getting tired of the job, but by that point, Kinda, a lot yeah, of them has just become routine. So. Yeah. So you said the auction, you do that once mm -hmm. a month. Is that right? And then they get to just, spend their money on the things that the auctioneer brings in. And I guess that's like their reward. Yeah. Do they have other things besides rent they're having to spend their money on? Uh, they can, if other people start their own businesses, which is also an option. And so I had a student that started a business where he would, I mean, he, he was taking like composition notebooks and then just like printing a Fortnite logo and just taping it to the front. Now you've got a Fortnite composition logo that you're selling for 500 classroom economy dollars. <laughs> and kids are all about it. You know? and this oh, one girl, she like made little brownies and she actually ended up hiring people to help sell those brownies. And she started her own like little enterprise. And so buying other goods from your, your classmates uh, is actually one of the things you can do. And the very first episode of my podcast, um, it was at the time, it, it was called the Tom Gibson podcast, but it's episode one of stories from the classroom was me 
taking some audio of auction day where one kid, he had his own candy business and he was really worried that other students were going to, they said they were going to start their own candy business and sell for cheaper. And so he's like, Oh, I need to come up with like these, he didn't call them this, but these loyalty programs. It's like, and so you hear him saying, okay, (laughs) so if, if you buy two items from me, you'll get 5% off up to, up to $50 off. And if you buy five items for me, you know, he's going through this elaborate thing. And then, and then the kids that said they were going to bring the items and stuff didn't even bring items. And so then he tried to like, he's like, Oh, well, well, well since they don't have anything, I think I'm going to raise the prices now. And people are like, why I was going to buy candy. <laughs> so he's, it was so, it was pretty funny. And just kind of like hearing, hearing him just work through and process like his business decisions at, as a 12 year old kid, you know? Um, but those are ways that they can spend their money too, is buying other things from other people uh, in, in, in their, with their businesses. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode <laughs> because that sounds really funny. Okay. So you have this course that we can go and buy and I'm assuming it's kind of like a, like you said, you go through the, the module or the lesson, it gives you homework and then you can implement it within, is it like you go through all of it and then implement it or is it broken into sections or how does it? It's broken into sections. Like the first part is like thinking through your classroom jobs. I explain all of my jobs and then you get the, the, the Google doc. And then the next one is like, here's a slideshow that I use to actually introduce the, the thing. These are the types of questions that generally come up, uh, make a copy of the slideshow, tweak it and modify it, link to your classroom jobs. Um, here is the job application. And then I actually go through my process of like that year of looking at the spreadsheet and saying like, okay, so first I need to hire these jobs. Let me see who had that in their top three. And so, and then they don't make a copy. I think I, on that one, I end up having like, if it, teachers wanted to, to actually like assign, uh, look at the assigned jobs and like try assign it themselves. But for the most part, if you're doing this in your own classroom, you'll, you'll get that opportunity. Um, and so it's not like a go through the entire thing and then you have one big assignment, but just kind of, you start piecemealing it together as you go. And, um, it, it might be helpful to kind of watch the entire thing. I mean, I think overall it ends up being like 45 minutes worth of video content. The videos are pretty short, like five to 10 minutes long each. Um, and so you can watch it and get the big picture of, of what's going on. And for this year, like the, the new, when I had every two years, I was like changing online banking softwares. And so I plan on making a couple new videos for the current one that I'm using. I've been talking in the Facebook group with the people about it and sharing like, Hey, this is the new one. And then that developers also in that Facebook group. And so people can kind of test it out and try it out there. Um, But adding a couple, couple things here and there that I've been adding throughout the years into the course uh, so people can kind of get the most up to date uh, of what's what's going on now. And with the Facebook group, that's super helpful too in hearing what people are doing right now. What would you say is the time commitment time commitment, not so much for the course, but for the actual like implementing mm-hmm. in your classroom? Because I think that's also something that when you talk to teachers about implementing things like this, it's like, but I don't have the time to do for me, it was the store, like going to the store every week or the auctions or whatever. And it sounds like for you, like you were saying, there's a lot of big um time commitment at the beginning but mm-hmm. then it, it works itself out so what would you say is the time commitment for a teacher like what they should expect realistically yeah in the beginning of the year i would say when you're developing your jobs that's probably going to be a couple hours of work of if you really want to do the research for your grade level see what would be right see your class sizes um, and how many jobs that you'll need, which jobs you'll want for one class, or if you need one for every single one of your sections. Um, the day that I actually introduce it, uh, I introduce the classroom economy. I go through the list of jobs and I give them time to apply for the jobs. That can take about an hour uh, to do all of that. The time to actually assign jobs and then communicate that is probably the chunk of time that is the longest throughout the year. Uh, depending on how well, I mean, it's almost like a matrix that you're trying to have to piece together to get the top three. Uh, but I did all that this Labor Day weekend um, over the course of, I mean, I worked on it for like an hour and a half on Saturday. I worked on it for about two hours on Monday, and I worked on it for about an hour on Tuesday. And so this was not only assigning the jobs, but then I was using pay grade and 
in the past, I would usually email the students a list of like, here's your job requirements and everything. But I had to go into pay grade and copy and paste it in there. And then in pay grade, individually go to each student and say like, okay, this student is getting this job. And the good thing about having it on pay grade is now whenever they log into their bank, their job requirements are listed right there on their homepage on the right side. So it's not just in an email that they got mm, at the okay. end of the year. Um, and then in class this week, we spent about 20 minutes. I had them read through their job, explain their job to the person next to them. Some of them, I just trained them right there. Like the person who takes attendance for me, I'm like, okay, you're going to do this at the beginning of every class. Click on this tab on my computer, look around. Okay. Count the people. If there's a, the numbers there and then like tech assistants that showed them, this is how you plug in my computer, turn on the projector, but some jobs I was like, okay, who's coming in on Monday uh, for the fine officer? And like, I'm coming. Or it's like fine officer. When's your training? Uh, Monday uh, uh, during lunch, uh, auctioneer, when's your training? Uh, this day, you know, write it in your planner. And so that took about 20, 25 minutes for them to actually learn their job, explain it to each other. Some of them getting trained that day. Um, and now, through, and it's really critical in the beginning of the year when you're training them, like really make the corrections quickly and right away. Like, so the person who's writing on the board, I'm like, okay, um, we want this to be in different colors from the agenda versus the things that students need to have out. So let's go ahead and erase that and do that again. Uh, as opposed to like, oh, just do it next time because then it's going to be just do it next time for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And after they actually get trained, uh, I have a couple lunches in the next couple of weeks uh, where kids are coming in. It'll probably take 20 minutes where I'm going to have to train the the banker of like how to deposit money. I'm going to have to train the work with the newsletter writer, but they're doing most of the writing at home, but I'm going to show them how to build the website, which they're only doing once. Um, and so there's a few lunches that are going to take probably 30 minutes, uh, maybe four or five lunches that are going to take 30 minutes uh, to do the training. And then, but let's say come February, uh, once all this stuff is you know done, taken care of, they've been doing it for several months, fine, fine day, the fine officer writes the fines at lunch, so that doesn't take class time. It takes, we take five minute breaks in the middle of class because it's an hour and a half class. They pass the fines out at the beginning of break. Students cannot leave for break until their fine is paid. Um, and so that make, ensures that they are paying it swiftly because they <laughs> want to go get their snacks or whatever. Um, and so that doesn't actually cut into class time. The bonus money day takes maybe about 20 to 25 minutes once a month. Um, and auctions take about 15 to 20 minutes once a month. And so sometimes a little bit less. That's about that's the time commitment. Um, there have been times I haven't gotten to some of the content that I've really wanted to get to, and I know it's because I've invested a lot of time in the classroom economy. But at the same time, I had a kid this past year. He is now a senior. He was there with one of my first groups of classroom economy as a seventh grader. And when he came to visit the school and say hi, he was talking about the auctions and the classroom economy and the ways like, Oh, I remember when me and Jenna like tried to team up at the end and like pull our money together for the last, you know, (laughs) those were the most memorable moments for them, um, in that classroom. Uh, and the fact that like, it was all surrounding, like learning how to manage your money, you know, like those are skills that they're going to actually take past them beyond remembering that having a negative exponent is the reciprocal of what a positive exponent is going to be, um, which is still important, but <laughs> maybe, but maybe, not, maybe as not as useful, daily, daily useful daily life and, and memorable experiences in the classroom. Well, and I think that's what as teachers we're always going for is we want to create those experiences that they're going to remember and that are going to really be um, helpful to them. So will you tell everybody where they can go get this course if they want to learn about it or purchase it where they can get all that? Yeah, it's at my website, tomgibson.com. Tom spelled T-H-O-M-G-I-B-S-O-N.com slash classroom economy. The first four lessons are free. Uh, you can see the videos oh, and see like the, the, the resources and see if it's kind of like, you know, if my personality and the way that I'm presenting the information is really, you know, jive in with you and makes sense to you. Um, and then that also includes the classroom jobs. And so if that's just, if you're just looking for that, um, that, that resource will be there. Um, and if you want to kind of see, you know, some of the things that the students are doing with the classroom economy, uh, on Instagram and some of the posts that the, my photographers are taking, I'm on Instagram at Gibson education. 
Uh, and the YouTube stuff, uh, I've been putting periodically some classroom economy things like reasons why you should have a classroom economy or some of the apps that I use in the classroom economy uh, on there. But a lot of the, the YouTube stuff is just more around like innovation in the classroom as a whole. Uh, but that's youtube.com slash Gibson edu. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the podcast, the, in addition to that very first episode where you can actually hear the classroom economy, um, I interviewed one of the, my colleagues named Mike Franz who teaches government and economics and his is like this year long game, uh, called you only live once YOLO. Um, where the first week is <laughs> I'm sure they yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah, the first week is like them every week is like a year of their life. And so by the time they're 18 in the first week of school and then they're like 65 at the last week of school and they basically have to create their own government, their own economy. They talk about investments and all sorts of stuff. It's it really reminds me of the uh, the World Peace Project. I don't know if you know about that. Um, but if anyone's mm -hmm. heard of the world peace project, it's kind of similar to that. That podcast, uh, is one of my favorites. Cause you actually, I go into classroom and you can hear the kids arguing about a piece of legislation or yelling about this person should not be voted into office because they just want to bring corruption and talking about <laughs> trying to sell land on the YOLO board. And it's, it's like, if, 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 if you're teaching economics, like that is, I feel that's the way to do it. And so that that's another what episode number. Is it that episode? You know? It's called the, the episodes called like, uh, collusion, Catan and, and something having gamifying an economics classroom. I can't remember exactly okay. what episode it is, um, but I can send that. I to was you. like, I don't know those other words, yeah, but gamifying. Because, well, Catan, it's based on like yeah, can, settlers of Catan. It, uh, and it's similar to that. Should I know what that is? Uh, it's a board game. I think the guy that's ah, it okay. is German. So yes, you should know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that is. Okay. I'm going to write that down and I'll link to all this in the show notes and stuff. So that way listeners can go and, um, get straight to it. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know you said you went on a nine mile run this morning and you're ready for some <laughs> breakfast tacos. So I want to let tacos. you go, but when, um, fun, yeah, when we move back, I think it would be fun for me and my husband and you and your wife, we could do a double date or something since we live yeah, so that. close to each other. I think we would enjoy chatting about all this kind of stuff. My yeah, husband will be probably be like, Oh my gosh, stop talking. Oh gosh, business education, educational entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would be fun since we are so close to each other. Yeah. Well, enjoy your breakfast tacos and thank you so much for being on the this podcast. This was a lot of fun, Kelly. I really appreciate you having me on. Yes, of course. I want to tell you about one of my most favorite products that I use every single day, my Cultivate What Matters Power Sheets Planner. You've probably heard me mention it before because I've talked about it on the podcast and I've written a whole blog about it. Essentially, power sheets are a goal planning journal, but they do way more than help you make the goals. They cause you to assess and evaluate your priorities. Laura Casey from Cultivate What Matters has put together this amazing planner. At the beginning of it, you have about 20 pages of self-reflection. Things like your big dreams for when you're 80, your ideas for the upcoming year. You identify boxes that you live in and ways that you can break out of them. You take time to really think through who you are and what you want to be about. And at the beginning of each quarter, you have the opportunity to rate different areas of your life, like your health, your friends, your spouse, finances, yada, 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 all the different things. And then you make goals based on everything that you uprooted about yourself. And then each month you create actionable steps to meet your goals and build your dreams. This is how I'm growing the Simply Organized Teacher. This is how I'm working on improving my marriage. This is how I'm growing my relationship with God. I've written down my huge God dreams and then broken them into bite-sized pieces that I can tackle each quarter, each month, each week, each day. If this sounds like something you went in on, then head to my website. I've got a blog all about it with pictures. I also will have the power sheets linked up on the resources page so you can find all the things I'm loving right in one spot. So head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash resources to get your copy of the power sheets. All right, you guys, I know that was a lot, but as always, all the links to everything that we talked about are over my show notes at the simplyorganizedteacher.com. And like I said, 
Y'all know that I'm a huge fan of classroom economy. I love it. I think it's a great way to implement some real life experiences and lessons in the classroom for your kiddos. And Tom has put together an incredibly useful course on how you can do it in your very own classroom. So if you've been on the fence thinking about how can you implement this, uh, remember he has four free lessons on there that you can go and just get an idea of what you think. I'm looking at it right now and there's 16 lessons for you to go through. He tells you exactly what resources you need, how to do it, ideas on how to implement it, video explanations, all of it. Literally everything that you need is there. Go check it out. And also go check out his podcast. It's so well done and you're going to get so many great ideas. It's also fun. I went and listened to that first episode podcast that he was talking about with the auction and the kids and it's fun to listen to the kids banter back and forth and it was a really great job. So go support Tom, go follow him on Instagram, listen to his podcast and get that classroom economy if that's something you want to give a shot at. All right, you guys, y'all have a great week. Like I said, I'm going to be in Texas next week, but no worries. Simply Teach is still releasing as normal. Next week is going to be the final portion of the live coaching session with Jordan. So you'll make sure you want to be here for that. It will drop in your uh, queue on Tuesday. So make sure that you're downloaded. And if you want to support the podcast, there's three different ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating and review, which is super helpful to get the word out to other people. You can sign up for the newsletter at bit.ly slash tsopmail, where I send weekly teaching support and encouragement related to organization and classroom management. Every week, I'm sending out great ideas, great resources to help you in your classroom. And the last thing you can do is you can check out the Simply Organized Teacher Shop. I've got some great resources that I've created on there that are less than $10, like the Organize Your you table resource. I've got a teacher self-care challenge, which like I kind of created on a whim, but it's one of the most popular downloaded items there is. The paper organization guide, anything you purchase from the Simply Organized Teacher, you guys, it really helps me out. It helps me keep this podcast going. It helps me keep the blog going and it helps me to keep creating great resources and great content to share with you. So I will see you back here next week. Y'all have a great week. I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.